to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog owners. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Harris. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I hope to give you a fresh outlook on your dog's behavior and practical dog training advice. I'm sure you are well aware of CBD for dogs. I give Tiva and Waylon daily CBD just to promote their overall health. And we use VetCS. VetCS is a veterinary-based hemp therapy company, and they make products for not only dogs, but they also make cat and horse products too. Their products are lab analyzed, and they will give you unmatched customer service. We love Vet- VetCS, and we are so excited to share this wonderful product with our listeners. If you are interested in learning more about VetCS, you can head over to their website, vetcs.com, and you can use code DisorderlyDogs for 10% off your first purchase. Hey all, welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I am so delighted that you are here. I know I say that a lot, but I genuinely mean it. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. I am so stoked that you are here. I have been accused of being um, annoyingly positive, and you will get to know that as you get to know me through this podcast, but I'm a big believer in um, energy, and I'm a big believer in attracting like-minded people, so I am so glad that you are here. I am so glad that you have found this podcast, and hang on. It's going to be a wild ride. There's going to be a lot of positivity that comes from this podcast, and it's going to go directly to you and your dog, so I'm really looking forward to that for you. Um, To everyone who has been listening, hi. I hope you guys are well wherever you are. I hope you and your dog are just flourishing. If you aren't flourishing, that is okay. There are ebbs and flows in life. Um, But remember, there's always something to appreciate and there's always something to be grateful for. So um, again, being accused of being annoyingly optimistic and positive, I do my best to find the positive in every single scenario, no matter what. So Um, The reason that I am able to stay as positive as I am, despite what life throws at me, I think a big part of that is um, what is referred to as a decompression walk. I do decompression walks with my dogs weekly, multiple times weekly, and they are not only for the dogs, but they are also for me. Um, Decompression walks have really kind of become like a buzzword, which I think is absolutely fabulous. I just want to credit a few trainers that I know preach it. Um, Sarah Stremming of The Cognitive Canine has a podcast called Cog Dog Radio, and she talks tons about decompression walks. Um, Jenny Afimova over at Dog Minded, who was a guest on this podcast, she wrote a fabulous blog about um, decompression walks. And then our friend Erica Gonzalez over at From Dusk Till Dog, um, who also just started a podcast, she talks all about decompression walks. Um, and her work too. So I just want to kind of give you my definition of what a decompression walk is. It can have a lot of different looks. It can be different for your dog, your area, but I think it boils down to a few basic guidelines. So um, while the decompression walk is definitely for the dog, it is also for you. And I think that before you go out for a decompression walk, before I tell you what you should be doing on a decompression walk, I think what really matters the most is your intention before you go out on the walk. 
Um, we are busy people. We're constantly staring at our phones. We're constantly answering emails. We're working. We're going. But I think it's important that you take control of your thoughts and really set good intentions for the walk before you even go out. So my intention for decompression walks is a few things. One is to move my body and enjoy that feeling, even if I am sucking wind and the incline in Colorado is kicking my ass. I always try to appreciate that and absorb that for what it is, like the movement of the body. And that's also really important for our dogs. Um, Another thing that I'm doing is stopping and breathing deeply and really trying to look around me and find something um, that I can appreciate. We're blessed because in Colorado, there is a lot of beauty to take in. If you guys follow us on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO, you know that we hike to some pretty magical places. So it's not very hard to stop and look and try and, you know, and find something beautiful. Um, and something else that I'm doing on walks is um, laughing, smiling. Um, finding joy and watching my dogs find joy. So those are a few things that I am doing to ensure success on decompression walks. So a few other thoughts on decompression walks. Um, What I want the dog to be doing is sniffing as much or as little as they want, moving um, in any direction that they choose, as they choose, I want them to run if that is what they wish. If they want to saunter, that is what I want them to do. Um, If they want to play with other dogs, I want them to do that. If they would rather not play with other dogs, I want them to do that. Um, And best case scenario, I want these decompression walks to be off-leash. If off-leash is not an option, I will utilize a long leash, not a retractable leash, just a flat 20, 30, 50-foot leash so that the dog still has more freedom to choose the direction that they're going in. Um, It's important that your dog can move freely unencumbered by tension in the leash. Um, I think that tension in the leash adds strain to not only the dog's body, but your body. And I don't know about you guys, but I fucking hate being dragged by a dog. Nothing quite infuriates me like being dragged by a dog. So um, if you guys are new to the podcast, my youngest dog, Waylon, has taught me a lot about patience because that dog, he is a recovering puller. Um, He's much better these days. But early on in his life, we did a lot of off-leash stuff because I just could not even handle being attached to him because he was just constantly at the end of the leash and it drove me absolutely mad. So um, it's important for the dog and for you that there's not a lot of tension in the leash. So if it's possible, I would just be letting that long leash drag um, so that you can actually really like unwind and decompress without the fear of being yanked in one direction or the other. Okay. Um, I recognize that everyone's life looks a little bit different. Your access to places is different wherever you live, weather, other dogs, people, all that stuff. But Um, I think that if you set the intention to find somewhere to do a decompression walk, you will find the place. Okay, so um, decompression locations can be seriously 
anywhere. You can do decompression walks in a city. You can do (laughs) decompression walks in the suburbs. You can do decompression walks in the mountains, in the woods, by the creek. There are so many options. So I really encourage you to look for places that may be a good fit for this. I do think that decompression walks can take place at some dog parks, but that is really um, contingent on there being a lot of space and not a huge volume of dogs at the dog park. Okay. Um, so a couple of, of examples. Okay. So you guys know we hike a lot. Um, not all hikes are decompression hikes. I just want to point that out, but we really do intentionally seek out trails that we know well, that we know there won't be a lot of wildlife, or other dogs or people so that we can go and really get in the decompression aspect for the human and for the dog. Um, we're really blessed that we live right next to a park that dogs are allowed to be off leash. So we utilize that daily. We can just walk there. Um, There are lots of trails around us that dogs do have to be on a leash, but long leashes are definitely an option for that. If you have multiple dogs, um, managing multiple long leashes is doable. It's not easy. I'm not trying to say that, but it's absolutely doable. And I think, um, you know, maybe making time to do individual decompression walks until you can find a place that both dogs can be off leash is definitely an option too. Okay, Um, so when you are out with your dogs, the point is to unwind, come back down to earth, recenter, align, whatever terminology you feel the most comfortable with. Um, Something that I often do when I am on decompression walks is meditate as I move. Um, I think most people think of meditation as sitting still, but I like to move and just kind of take in the beauty and really just let my mind slow and um, not be worried about anything. Just kind of let my mind be and just kind of take in the moment for what it is. So I think that you got to find your own rhythm. You got to find your own style. You got to find the thing that really builds you up the most. But these are just, you know, some suggestions. Um because I do a lot of decompressing with my dogs. Um, Some things that I don't do and or allow on dog walks is, um, on decompression walks is, I don't do a lot of like formal training, quote unquote formal training with my dogs. So I'm not doing a million recalls. I'm not doing stays. I'm not really doing tricks. I really just want my dog to be um, exploring. Um, The one thing that I am feeding for is just voluntary check-ins. So If the dog offers their attention, I am going to mark and reward and then release them back to their environment. So I don't want you doing any formal training on decompression walks because it's definitely not the point. Um, I, something else I'm not doing on decompression walks is, um, toy play. I know that a lot of dogs like to retrieve and play tug and do that stuff with, with toys, but I don't think that that, um, is super productive for decompression because in my experience that kind of just amps dogs up and then they just become hyper-focused on that one thing. And that is not really the point of a decompression walk. All of this stuff is perfectly fine outside of decompression walks, but I'm I'm talking specifically about things that I I want to happen during decompression walks and I don't think that like intense toy play is really productive for decompression.
yeah, so those are just a few things that I'm not doing on on decompression walks. No formal training, no ball play. Um, I really am doing my best not to be staring at my phone. Um, I'm definitely taking pictures and stuff um, for the Instagram and Facebook, but I'm trying to keep my interactions with my phone pretty minimal because, again, you guys, the point is to get out there and fill up both of our cups. So it's important that you set that intention and you are consistent with yourself because um, then you get to get to the wonderful positive benefits that come from decompression walks. So um, your ability to cope in your life with stressors and stuff like that can be so much greater if you have had the opportunity to decompress, come back down to earth, be in your body and really actively participate in your life instead of feeling just constantly overwhelmed and stressed. Um, your dogs will be able to rest better. Their needs will be met. There was, there's definitely less likelihood for unwanted barking, pacing, jumping, mouthing, chewing, because your dog's needs have been met. Um, some other positive things that come from decompression walks is the relationship between you and your dog. Um, being on a decompression walk with your dog is a pretty powerful relationship builder. And guys, if it wasn't for decompression walks, I'm not sure that Waylon and I would have made it. I love Waylon and he has taught me so much, but you guys know that like it was rough there for a while. Waylon made me question a lot of stuff. I was really frustrated. Um, I was defeated and um, doing decompression walks saved us, truly. They really did. So um, guys, decompression walks, they are absolute money. I absolutely think you should be doing them. I think that as a bare minimum, I think you should be doing it at least once a week. Um, if you are only doing one decompression a walk, I want it to a week, I want it to be at least one hour at least one hour. If you can do two decompression walks a week, I think that those could probably be 30 to 45 minutes. It definitely just depends on the dog. It depends on their needs. Um, some dogs need to run more. Some dogs are content to sniff more. So um, <laughs> the, don't mind. That's Billy, a boarding dog, barking in the background. Um, but yeah, I think best case scenario, you get your dog out for at least one hour one hour decompression walk a week. Um, guys, decompression walks are are seriously everything. You guys know that I do boarding in my home for some specific dogs. And I definitely notice dogs who do decompression walks with their owners versus dogs who don't. And it's an integral part of integrating a new dog into my household is making sure that that dog who is new to us has an opportunity to decompress. So um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of decompression walks. If you came up with the decompression walk term terminology in, in dogs and dog training, hey, thanks. I love it so much. Um, guys, uh, please take a decompression walk with your dog. Please just enjoy it. Enjoy that moment and please just enjoy all the positive benefits for, that come from that. Guys, I'm already looking forward to the next episode. Have a fabulous day and smooch those puppies for me. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about us, please check us out on Instagram at a good feeling underscore in co 
can also find us on Facebook at A Good Feeling Dog Training, as well as our website, agfdogtraining.com. 